Welcome back, everyone. My name is Nick Lundberg, and this is the Sports Roundtable, your end-of-the-week sports update on all things Michigan State. Live from Impact Station here at Holden Hall, I'm with Joe Dez. Thanks for joining me again after last week, Joe. Yeah, I'm excited to be here yet again. This is going to be a great time. Yes, sir. So I want to jump into the hottest team on campus, which is the women's soccer team. Since we last talked, they beat number 17 Ohio State 1-0 last week, and then they continued that streak and beat number 14 Rutgers 1-0 on Sunday. And these two wins helped them claim their first outright Big Ten championship since 1994, although it's not officially recognized by the conference. It was recognized by MSU, but, you know, it's still a championship regardless. There were a ton of awards given out. DeBo won National Player of the Week for the first MSU player since 2008 to do so. Uh, Lauren Kozel and Reagan Cox cleaned up on Big Ten Goalie of the Week, and Reagan won Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, this is Kozel's fifth Goalie of the Week this season, which ties the career the Big Ten career record in a season with that with five. And then this is MSU's second Defensive Player in a week in a row after Sam White got it last week, and they finished conference play undefeated at nine zero and one. They wrapped up the regular season at fourteen one and three. They'll head into Big Ten tourney play this weekend against Minnesota on Sunday at home at four and another national TV game, their third of the year, I believe. But this team, I just, you can't say enough about what Jeff Hostler has done this season. And, you know, hopes are insanely high going into the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, going undefeated in Big Ten play this year didn't give them enough confidence. All those awards are going to give them massive confidence boosts. They're coming into this game against, uh, I believe it's Minnesota this weekend. Mm-hmm. They're ready for this. They have the confidence all in the world. They have one loss this season to Arkansas a little bit early in the season. They ignored that at this point. They're going to be ready for this matchup. Yeah, throughout the Big Ten Conference play, they only tie, They only had one draw. And, I mean, go, having no losses over the span of 10 games heading into your conference tournament, that's got to be – you got to be coming in thinking that, oh, we can beat anyone in this tournament. This like It's, it's ours to lose, basically. Yeah, obviously MSU is a ranked team, but when you're beating other ranked teams in the country also, that gives you a massive confidence boost as well. That makes you really realize, like, we can compete with the best, and we are the best of the best right now. They Obviously, as we keep mentioning, undefeated in the Big Ten, this Big Ten tournament is going to be very fun to watch for MSU. And, I mean, they can't come into this tournament overconfident because there are a lot of very good teams in the Big Ten, as we've seen throughout this past year. Uh, the number of ranked teams they've beaten in the Big Ten alone is just is a very high number, and you can't come into a tournament like this with amount of these good teams thinking we're just going to wipe the slate with everyone. you got to come in and still be focused. And I know Jeff Hostler has always preached that his goals are um, day-to-day. You just want to make the best out of each day, which I believe is the best philosophy to have. Um, and I think that they'll come in with that philosophy, but I'm, you just have to be weary of not being overconfident even with all the awards and all the recognition coming in, even though it's deserved, but you still can't let that make you lose sight of, you know, what's what's ahead. Yeah, you can't look past the opponent, obviously. I imagine that they're just going to take this as another game. Obviously, there's a little bit of extra confidence, like we mentioned before, but they're probably going to just put that in the back door, ignore it throughout the game. And leading up to this, they're going to be practicing like it's a regular opponent. Yep. And if they beat Minnesota this weekend, they'll head on to Columbus to finish out the Big Ten tournament. And after that, we have the NCAA tournament, so... It's going to be interesting seeing how after they basically didn't make the tournament last season because their strength of their strength of schedule according to the NCA wasn't tough enough even though they had they finished with 10 wins. So this year they're definitely in the running for it, but this Big 10 tournament is just the next 
step towards that NCAA tournament berth. Yeah, when you view it from just tournament play alone, it looks like there was a massive turnaround the season. Even though it was 10 wins last year, it's not bad at all. But 14 wins, one loss, three ties, like you can't really beat that. Now they should be, you really can't deny them a tournament spot for yeah. the NCAA. They had a good strength of schedule this year. Yeah, it's definitely going to be hard to make a case against them. But moving on to the men's side of things in the soccer program, they are on a two-game losing streak right now. They fell to number 8 Maryland and number 13 OSU, 1-0 and then 1-2 respectfully. They're now, which moves them to 6-7-2 and on the season and 3-3-1 and in conference play. And they'll face Northwestern for the final game at home on Sunday at 1 p.m. They're, I, you got to say, even they had a, they've had kind of an up-and-down season. They had that slow start. And they kind of built up with it to come back to 500 like we've seen. And then the last two games have been, you know, tough matchups. You can't come in there expecting wins against those tough opponents. But this game against an unranked Northwestern final home game of the season to bring you back to 500, you got to come in thinking we have to win this game. Yeah, even though it's a game to get you just back to 500, they got to treat this like it's a massive game, obviously, because it's just going to bring extra hope for the next season, I'd say. If they can beat Northwestern, they're coming out next season with more momentum than if they don't. It was impressive to see that that massive turnaround because last week we talked about at one point they had a chance to compete for the Big Ten Championship even though they fell short this past weekend. But it was still good to see a team that started out so slowly. Not a lot of people had a lot of confidence in them after the first month of the season just to bring back some of that confidence, win those games, the games they should have won, and then now – you're coming into the end of the season, like you said, you want to build confidence for next year. Um, who We don't know after this game what their future looks like after this, but you want to, if this is your final game of the season, you want to just come out with a win in front of your home crowd, in front of your fans. Yeah, it's insanely impressive that they were able to make a turnaround like they did, as you mentioned. It's very hard to stop downward momentum. The fact they were able to turn around and now they're fighting and get back to 500, that, that's a win overall this season. Exactly. And a team that is also kind of going down in the rankings is volleyball. After they had a very hot start to the season, they've just run into a bunch of juggernauts in Big Ten. Um, As expected with a new coach, you've got new players like we talked about last week. Uh, There's going to be some part of the season where, you know, especially against these kind of teams that you kind of just, it doesn't go well because that's just what happens. And over, over the weekend they lost against number five Wisconsin and against Indiana. They've not won a game in a long time, and I feel like these next few games coming down the stretch, you got to get at least one to build some of that confidence up for next year, but any volleyball match in the Big Ten is going to be a tough one. Yeah, no, there's so many tough opponents in the Big Ten. I believe Wisconsin ended up winning the Big Ten title last year as it was, so that obviously a very tough game, ranked fifth in the nation. It's pretty fair if they drop that one, but as you mentioned, the very hot start six wins straight to start the season now they're on a seven game slide Uh, they definitely need to at least get one to correct the ship kind of get more confidence throughout the season and probably bank more on next year in the end yeah and with such a young team and a young coach um, it's easy to lose confidence it seems like when things aren't going your way but you just got to keep you know keep your head on straight and keep grinding through the rest of the season even though you're have some uh, more tough matchups coming forward you just got to Keep your head down, you know, as Mel Tucker loves to say, keep chopping and hopefully come out with a couple of wins to build some confidence for next year because the end of this season is kind of, you know, who knows what's going to happen with over these next few matches. But um, biggest thing is building confidence 
especially f- with a young team and, like I said, a young coach for the next seasons going forward. Yeah, having a first-year coach, this is just going to really be what sets the tone, I feel like, for the next couple of years for what happens this year will kind of dictate what happens for the next few years. I don't think it's going to be the exact same record-wise, but if she can finish strong, I believe next year will start off strong, too. Yeah. And I believe with her first year so far, I would say she's had a good, she's had a solid outing, even though, obviously, as of late, it's been Leah Johnson is who I'm talking about. Um, but as of late, it's been rough. But she's won the games you're expected to win. And with a young team, a lot of new players, a lot of movement, obviously, any first-year coach um, and coaching staff is going to have some tough times, especially against the Big Ten. But I believe that um, she's built a solid foundation for the coming years, and I'm excited to see the direction of the volleyball program. Hopefully she can get it up to the standard of other Big Ten volleyball programs. And as we know, as we've seen, that standard is very, very high. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a chance that she will because one thing, it's first year for her, so this year is kind of just implementing her new system, getting the team more cohesive together, and it's kind of just building up the team's trust in her. So after this year, when she has her system fully in place, that's when we're going to see how she coaches the team. Exactly. And moving on to a team that doesn't have any questions at the coach is basketball with Tom Izzo. Um, They had a scrimmage against Tennessee on the road over the weekend. Not much was posted about it. I couldn't find really any, besides the highlight clips that MSU Basketball posted, I couldn't really find anything else. But the score seemed to remain close in some of the pictures I saw. And the, st- the season starts very soon for them and for women's basketball. They have their first exhibition actually this weekend. But it was good to see a basketball team, that a men's basketball team coming in that, you know, doesn't have the highest expectations. And especially with that huge, like we talked about, that juggernaut non-conference schedule. But to... Hold your own in a scrimmage against a very good team in Tennessee with a very good coach and on the road, no less, is, you know, a good sign. Yeah, definitely a good way to start the season. I imagine they didn't want to publicize too, too much about the scrimmage so that, like, people can get ready for the season because there's still a lot more to come. I definitely am excited to see how this team goes. A lot of young players and a lot of talent that are returning, good mix of veterans in there as well. Very excited to see how Tom Izzo leads this team. Yeah, and I saw um, some highlights of, you know, Joey Hauser hitting some threes, Malik Hall, I believe. Hit a three. Um, Hogard was in there a little bit too. Walker was making some moves. So it was good to see some of those highlights of guys, especially I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Joey Hauser does this year because Izzo has absolutely raved. We talked about this last week as well, but Izzo has absolutely raved about him over the offseason. He looks a lot leaner, a lot more fluid offensively. His He's moving a lot better. Um, and I think I really think that his position – is just to keep him on the outside on the perimeter because his money is where the, his three is. And if you put him down low, even though pro- he might have to spend some time down there with the lack of front court depth, he's not as good as he would be outside on the perimeter. We saw that in the Davidson game, like we talked about last week. But I was, it's, it's. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does and where they put him this year. Oh no, hundred percent. If Tom is always talking him up, I am excited to see how he plays on the floor. I imagine that they're gonna. As you mentioned, let him space the floor a lot more this year because that is where his strength lies. So if he can get that as his main position where he's just a basically spacing big, that is going to be really exponential for his growth this year. Yep. And then they start their season on November 1st against Grand Valley in an exhibition, and that's only a couple weeks away. But moving on to hockey, who had a pretty big weekend over the weekend. They swept Long Island 3-1 to and 8-4. to the game where they won 8-4 to was their most goals scored since 2013. And since that, uh, Jagger Joshua earned Big Ten third-star honors for 
a four-point weekend, and he had his first career hat trick in that 8-4 to four win. So it was good to see a player like Joshua get going like that and help the team you know, move to 4-2 and two on the season. Yeah, I actually was watching that game, and what seemed to happen is both teams scored a lot, obviously, but anytime Long Island scored, we would respond just almost immediately. I believe there was a point where it was about 4-3. It seemed like they might have a comeback mounting soon. We ended up scoring like three or four straight goals and ended up with eight goals total. This team is very strong, and I believe they're ready for the matchups with Notre Dame. And it's good to see a team with another first-year head coach like the volleyball program, um, Adam Nightingale, on hockey, but... It's good to see a team, like you said, respond like that when, you know, your backs are, you know, starting to more move more closer to the wall when, you know, they're closing the gap, the 4-3 gap, and then just come out and explode and, you know, shut them down. It's good to see a team like that, a younger team with a lot of new faces and a new coach, um, respond the way they did. Yeah, a lot of times a young team, obviously first-year head coach, they can get back in that corner and kind of just fold and end up losing the game, and they split the series, which overall would still be a win. But they didn't do that. They swept the series. They won two games in a row. They did a great job this weekend. And they've got two big games coming up this weekend against Notre Dame, both on the road. Um, the first one is tonight at 7.30. So it's this is kind of, besides the UMass Lowell um, home matchup, this is kind of Nightingale's first big test, at least big road test. Um, and I'm interested to see how the team is going to come out, especially with a young team after you sweep a team you're supposed to beat. Sometimes that confidence can get you cocky. And, I mean, we all know that Notre Dame is a household name in any sport, and not even if they're not ranked in hockey. But going into Notre Dame, it's got to get you excited. But you can't lose your grip on um, how you should play going into that game because if you come in with, you know, you think you're, you think you're all that, and then you play a solid team like Notre Dame is on the road, bad things can happen. So um, I'm interested to see how a young team with a young coach is going to come in after a pretty big weekend tonight. No, I'm very interested to see it as well because, as you mentioned, it could end up being a little bit of a trap game because, obviously, when you're coming off an eight-goal game, you're kind of thinking you can do that against everybody. That might not be the same for the Fighting Irish this weekend. I am excited to see how they end up standing up against them, and I think it's going to be a very nice matchup to watch. And then, as we all know, we've got a huge, huge football game this weekend. I'm excited. Even though I'll be there, I know that the game Michigan-MSU will be on ABC at 7.30. Um, Sean McDonahue, the play-by-play guy who announced the trouble with the snap, will be calling it. So it's be good to hear his voice on a Michigan State game again. But for both teams, not just Michigan State, Michigan had a bye week this well, as well. I believe that, in particular for Michigan State, that this bye week is very key because as we talked about, we have had a lot of injuries this season. And with, you know, X, Xavier Henderson was limping in that Wisconsin game a little bit. So this gives him time. It was Slade's first game back against Wisconsin. Those are two key cogs in the defense. Gives Thorne a little bit of time to rest up with the bye week. Um, other guys who may be, you know, banged up a little bit. It's bye week came, honestly, at the perfect time for this program. Yeah, I agree completely. I was about to say the perfect timing because we finally started getting our footing back so that they would have a little bit of confidence arcing in this game because if we lost the Wisconsin game, this match would be a lot more scary. Yeah, People are kind of underrated MSU right now, though. I believe it was Sports Illustrated said that uh, Michigan has a 90.8% chance to win. We came in there last year and won. I imagine that we didn't have the biggest chance last year either. I'm excited to see this matchup. Definitely think it could go either way. One matchup I want to really focus on is going to be Michigan's really dominant run defense and then Michigan State's 125th rushing offense. 
So I think it's going to be mostly a passing game this week. Yeah, I think that the only true advantage Michigan State has on Michigan and any side of the ball besides Bryce Berenger, he's the best punter in the country, but <laughs> the only true advantage Michigan State has over Michigan, I believe, is the receivers versus their defensive backs because Michigan's def- their defensive backs are good, but I believe that Michigan, like Keon Coleman, Jane Reed, Trey Mosley, are just a little bit of a step ahead of them. And I believe that Thorne is really going to need to hammer on that fact if this team wants to stay in this game. Because, like you said, the run game has not been the best for MSU. And then pair that with Michigan's pretty solid run defense. Um, Could be a recipe for, you know, not many yards on the ground. Unless Thorne and that passing attack can really, you know, step up and keep MSU in the game. Yeah, if Thorne comes in poised this week, he can hit Jaden Reed, hit Keon Coleman on the deep routes. I really think this matchup could be a lot closer than people are expecting. Yeah, and obviously it's a rivalry game. It's rivalry week. It's hate week. MSU has heard the noise. Um, They had their media availability earlier this week, and they were talking just about how this is not just another game. Um, You know, everyone knows about the history. Um, They talked about bulletin board material. They see everything that's being said online, so... You know, MSU is going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. They're hearing the noise. Michigan, you know, has respectively deserved all of this hype that they're getting because they've just, you know, ransacked opponents this this whole season. But uh, Michigan State coming in with something to prove. I think that, you know, they'll play up to a standard that, you know, they're, they can play. But I just, I don't know. I, I, I really think Michigan's a juggernaut. Yeah, this is going to be a very tough team to be. Obviously, undefeated so far this season. There have been blowouts week after week. It's been pretty terrifying to watch. But I do think, since this is the battle for Michigan, there's going to be a little bit extra kind of passion for both teams in this game. So it could go either way in the end. Yeah. And one thing that Michigan State will need to do to uh, keep themselves in the game is limit that explosive run offense from Michigan. We know about their offensive line, how you know solid they are, and... Uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, we talked about last week, had massive games against Penn State. But, I mean, I honestly, I feel like anyone could have massive games against anyone. Like, I could go out there and have 100 yards and a touchdown with that offensive line. They absolutely just move people. And that's what I'm most nervous about because, and that's why I said such a big thing with the bye week is Jacob Slade coming back because, we, as we know, he is that cog in the middle for that run defense. And without him... This game, I would not see any way of us limiting them without him. But having him back and giving time for guys like Darian Har- Derek Harmon and Simeon Barrow to kind of you know get rests in between the game and come in because we know they can make plays as well. But um, having Slade in there is just so big for that defense, especially against a team with such a heavy, run-heavy offense like Michigan. Yeah, you need a run stopper like Slade. The fact that we're getting him back after this bye week is massive for this defense. That whole D-line is going to be playing their minds out if they want to win this game. One thing that I wanted to mention this, last year we were obviously pretty lucky about Kenneth Walker. He's been going off in the NFL oh, recently. Yeah. 116 yards, two touchdowns, or 168 yards actually, I meant to say, and two touchdowns this past weekend. 6.1 yards per carry so far this season, and he has scored a touchdown every game he has started. He's representing the Spartans nicely in the NFL right now. Yes, sir. It's great to see K-9 um, living up to that hype coming out of the draft, and I hear every talks now and then about Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. You know, they're better than, it's just obviously just Michigan banter, but they're they're better than K-9. No, 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 no. This guy, 
Kenneth Walker, especially after like if if last year wasn't enough for them, five touchdowns with that offensive line, and then you've got I mean obviously Corman Edwards are very good players, and but Michigan's O line, I I'm just I can only imagine the things K nine could have done last year if he had Michigan's O line because those guys just pave just airplane runways for their running backs. It's it's crazy and. I mean, we saw what K9 did last year and what he's been doing in the NFL, like you said. Um, so obviously last year was, you know, no no joke. Yeah, it was not an anomaly at all. 18 touchdowns rushing, one receiving touchdown. He has just a nose for the end zone. He great running back, 100%. I'm, the fact that he's doing this good with the Seahawks right now, Geno Smith at quarterback, that whole team is mind-blowing at this point. Yeah, but something I thought that was interesting um, – during media availability was Jacoby Winman took the stand. Obviously he's the team's cap. He's been the captain every single week this year. He's the defensive leader of the team. And he's every time he steps out there, it seems like he makes a play, but he talked about this week being a good time to run their four, three defense, um, especially with the ability of Michigan to run the ball like they have been this year. So I'm interested to see how they come out in that system. Um, they've, they, he talked about them having practiced in the spring, summer, and fall. Um, and then they've had to make adjustments for, you know, the type of opponents they've played. But um, it's kind of – it's reassuring to see them come into a game where they know what defense they're going to run. They're familiar with it. And obviously because that's been a big problem all year is the secondary and the defense itself with the injuries and everything. But um, it's good to see – or it's good to know that they're going to be confident out there in their scheme. Yeah, I am definitely excited. They actually game plan the scheme specifically for Michigan. 4-3 is going to allow them to actually stop some of the run game and also rush the passer a little bit more. Obviously, as you mentioned earlier, though, the O-line is going to be a very tough challenge to overtake. Like that, When you have five big guys who are as agile and mobile as they are, it's a very tough opponent at any moment. I'm hoping that that 4-3 defense can come through and hopefully at least penetrate that line a little bit. Yeah, we hopefully we can get to see... Obviously, Tucker likes to keep it hush-hush with who's coming out there and stuff, but we haven't seen Chris Bogle, the Florida transfer, who's made some plays this year. Jeff Piotrowski's been out, among other players, on that line. Um, So hopefully we can get some of those guys back this week and see them. But another thing I found interesting was Harlan Barnett said that this summer was the first time um, since, I believe he said 1985 or 1995 somewhere, and before this century, um, that which is a long time, but he is the first time he's heard U of M talking about the need to beat Michigan State. I feel like this game is finally something they're going to take serious, and I kind of wish that this wasn't the team to believe that because obviously this team is, you know, like we've said, is very good um, compared to Michigan State. This is not Michigan State's best team, but Tucker says they're they haven't played their best football yet, and I'm interested to see what their best football looks like. If so, if they can pull that off against Michigan, but it is interesting to see that they're finally starting to you know talk about that they're putting us up there a little bit with Ohio State. Like we got it, we just got to get these guys. Yeah, I think after the loss last year, they weren't expecting that too too much. That kind of took a little bit of wind out of their sails. If we beat them in an undefeated season, that would just be a kick to the stomach for them. Yeah, they would not be feeling good after that. Yeah. So the spread coming in is twenty two and a half in favor of U of M, which I believe is a, honestly a pretty fair spread. A night game on the road is never easy in a rivalry game. But they asked Payne Thorne about that. He says he doesn't care, which is probably anybody's response. And in, in 
to that question on MSU. So it's a good thing that they're not looking too much into all the outside noise. But um, ultimately, I believe that MSU, like we said, will you know come to play rivalry week. They're going to come ready. But I just, I really don't see any outcome of us unless nothing short of a miracle like the trouble with the snap who knows but I don't really see any outcome of us you know coming in there and coming back with Paul but I would really like to I would really like to yeah I'd be very happy if we can go in the big house come back with the Paul trophy as you mentioned yeah so I'm this weekend's going to be exciting um not just football we've got a lot of other stuff going on so and that's about it all the time we have today. So I wanted to say thanks, Joe, for coming back. It was good to have you again. Yeah, it was a great time being on here yet again. It was a fun time every week. Yes, sir. And thanks for everyone for listening. Um, and we'll see you next Friday for another edition of Sports Roundtable. Peace out.